You're listening to the Rise Up Woman podcast, episode number four. Welcome to the Rise Up Woman podcast, where courageous women share their stories and journeys of healing from domestic abuse, betrayal, and other trauma and struggles of life, as well as interviews with experts sharing tips and strategies to create a life that we all dream of. I'm your host, Mickey Sturgis. Ladies, let's rise up together. Hello there, this is Mickey Sturgis. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, it's my privilege to introduce to you Michelle Jewsberry. She is an author, a speaker, an international humanitarian, a CEO and founder of non-profit organization called Unsilenced Voices that focuses on eradicating domestic abuse and sexual gender-based violence worldwide. She wrote and produced and performed a play called But I Love Him, which is based on her experience of domestic violence. In this episode, she not only shares about her experience, but also shares valuable information about her organization. And we also talk about, you know, how domestic violence attacks not only women, but also men and in all socioeconomic classes. And we also talked about how culture we grew up in could play a big role in getting into a domestic violence situation to begin with, and how men could use biblical texts to manipulate their partners into submission. And you know what? As women, we sometimes interpret biblical texts to our detriment as well. So we talked about that. Um, as I mentioned earlier, she heads the nonprofit organization called Unsilenced Voices, which educate and helps women worldwide to get out of this abusive situation and help um, and help them have a healthy, productive lives. Once again, I would like to warn you that we, as we discuss her abusive, you know, situation experience, trigger some of you. So. If so, you may stop listening, take a big, deep breath, and remind yourself of good things or the blessings that's happening to you right now. And remind yourself that's over and it's not happening to you right now. If you are still in the abusive situation, we highly recommend for you to get some help. I can't urge you enough to do so. Take action. Don't put yourself, and if you have children, don't put your precious children in danger. You may call Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. I hope this episode uplifts you and encourages you and inspires you. Just know that you're not alone and there's hope. So without further ado, here's my interview with Michelle Jewsberry. Well, thank you so much, Michelle, for coming on to this podcast. I'm just starting the podcast, so I'm super excited to have you as a guest. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me come on and speak about domestic violence and my story and unsilenced voices. Yes, for sure, for sure. So tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, before you dive into your story. Tell us. I would love to get to know you. So tell us a little bit about you. 
Well, let's see. I am 35 years old and I was born in Idaho, moved around my whole life. My daddy was military. So I've lived in Hawaii and Vermont, Arizona, California, all over the place. Uh, Portland, Oregon was the last place that I lived prior to LA where I am now. And I grew up with my mom and dad were married, you know, my whole my whole childhood and mm-hmm. I lost my father a few years ago it'll be four years coming up in May mm-hmm. and that was really rough for our family but I had loving parents and um, I've got a brother that I speak to every single day and nice. yeah. so that's kind of a little bit about me prior to what I got involved with and I've always been a humanitarian and a philanthropic um, so yeah it's kind of it's kind of me so are you are you married now and do you have any children or nope not no children and i am not married i'm actually single right now um, okay so good <laughs> <laughs> okay you're available um, um, i guess so <laughs> <laughs> okay so let's um hear about your story so tell us whatever you want us to to know yeah no that's fine i was involved in a domestic violence relationship for 4 years uh, three years of it was physically, um, physical, three years of it was together, mm-hmm. uh, physically. So I was emotionally, physically, financially, and, um, sexually assaulted by him. And then the year after that, that fourth year, I was financially abused and emotionally manipulated by him. Oh gosh. So the, the four years I was with him, I went through lots of ups and downs and I had a lot of feelings that it was my fault and I shouldn't have triggered him. And I loved him so much and I wanted to help. And we went through couples therapy together. We went through Landmark together. We, we really tried. And actually I should say, I really tried. Um, I didn't understand how bad the relationship was until I left the relationship. And then I started documenting what happened to me. Once I started documenting, I was like, wow, this is really bad. Oh gosh, I can relate so much because that's how I was. I was like, oh, it was my fault. You know, it's, and that's how we always feel. I, I don't know other women. The other day I was talking to somebody else and she had a different perspective, but still when I was going through, I was young too. So I don't know how old you were, but I was very young and I felt like, oh no, I shouldn't trigger him. I shouldn't get him mad, you know, so I shouldn't cook this food because he didn't like this. Therefore he got mad, you know, that kind of things. And then I kept doing that same thing. Yeah. So there's a cycle in domestic violence and Mm -hmm. the cycle is the walking on eggshells and then the big blow up and then the apology stage. Well, they're walking on eggshells part is us victims always not wanting to trigger our perpetrator, our abuser, Um, being, oh, I'm going to tiptoe around him. I'm going to not cook this. I'm going to not say this because it's going to trigger him. And then there's going to be an outburst. Um, That's, that's normal, of course. Yeah. So in your case, were you married then or? Not married to him. No, but I lived with him for three years. Was he like that from the beginning or? he like show up later on well the first time i had it through the wall was about four months into the relationship we'll ask four months that's not a lot of time 
So let me give you a little backstory. So he and I knew each other prior to dating and we were friends. We did a multi-level marketing business and we would see each other when we were in the same town. I was living in Portland at that time and he in California. So we would hang out at functions and we were just friendly. And then I moved to California, uh, 2011, I believe, um, for my second time. And I had quit that business, but I moved to California to pursue an acting career. So when I got to California, I ended up trying to contact a director via LinkedIn. And once I joined LinkedIn, that, uh, that, that website gained access to all of my contacts and sent emails to everybody saying, Hey, join LinkedIn. Yeah. Right. And he got that email and was like, Hey, Michelle, what's up? I haven't talked to you forever. How have you been? This and that. So we started talking roughly mid 2011. And then we started dating roughly the beginning of 2012. So he, he was pursuing me and then, my head went through the dry, drywall about March, May, about May of 2012. What was the occasion? Why did he like do that? Do uh, I triggered him, <laughs> which is funny that we were talking about that just a second ago. Uh, we were at lunch with a friend of his and he was drinking a lot of alcohol mm-hmm. and I ended up saying something, some joke, and he took it very offensively. And then he started drinking more. And then we got back to the house and we got into an argument and he pushed me so hard against the wall, my head bounced and caused a dent in the drywall. And I didn't even realize it was domestic violence. And I turned around and looked at that. He walked away. And then I asked his friend, hey, can you help me patch the wall? And he did. And I didn't think anything of it. Oh, wow. Did it continue though? It did. You know, it's a cycle, like you said, it's a cycle, you know, he apologizes and then, oh yeah, there's a honeymoon stage and then go through the good, good times. And we tend to like hang on to the good times, right? Yes, we do. We tend to hang on to the good times. And I did hang on to the good times. Uh, That apology stage is really what kept me. I was uh, beat so bad October, 2012, that I was black and blue. I had a black eye that... Uh, was worse than I've ever had. People thought I had jaundice for about nine months afterwards. I had bruises all over my body. Um, I was beat for about four hours. And what's interesting is people said, well, why didn't you leave then? And the thing is, is I was, I was so hopeless and helpless at the time. And I remember after he started coming into it coming back from his blackout he put me in the shower rinsed off the blood from my mouth and my hair and all of that and laid me on the bed and held my hand and the next morning when I woke up because I was in and out of consciousness that night I woke up and he looked at me and he started crying and saying I'm so sorry I love you so much Michelle I promise I will never do this again and that's what kept me was that apology stage yes I think that's one thing that's common that we, we go through that, you know, people, that's what kept me and kept thinking, well, God wants him to, to change. And here I am like an angel, you know, sent by God to change him or be, be with him. And that really keeps us there. 
And, you know, if, if I can go back and tell myself, you know, say, get out and the first sign I would do that. But what would you say to yourself? I would say, listen to what God's yelling at you right now. <laughs> Before it got super serious with he, with he and I, I uh, was speaking to a girlfriend of mine and I remember we were walking through a crosswalk and I'm a very spiritual woman. So I talk to God and I pray a lot mm-hmm. and I heard a distinct no coming from, Oh, what? Huh? What? No, I just heard no. And I didn't listen. And I would oh, tell yes. to listen. Oh my gosh, Michelle. It- Really, I'm totally connecting with you because I felt the same way. I knew God didn't want me there. But on the other side is, you know, some verses like submit yourselves to your husbands. And, you know, that verse is so misused. Yes, it is. Understood. There was a, right before I came on to this um, podcast recording, I saw a somebody posting that verse and her realization of how important for her to submit to her husband. Her husband is a normal, non-abusive person, right? So they can work together. But when you are married to a abusive person, their mind is not there. It's not. It's skewed. So, well, going you know, back to that verse that you're bringing up. Uh, so I work internationally a lot and we'll get into yes. that a bit later with unsilenced voices, but they oftentimes use that verse. Uh, women must submit to their husbands yes. as biblical, as a, as a biblical explanation as to why it's okay to abuse your wife. But oftentimes there's a verse right after that calling for husbands to love their wives as Jesus yes. loved the church. Yes. That is oftentimes misunderstood. Ignored. Ignored. Yeah. Because of that, then women are taught that we have to be submissive mm-hmm. and that we have to tolerate what's happening. Like it said in the in the next verse, Jesus didn't beat up his church. You know, Jesus wouldn't hurt or defile his church. Right. So it's not right that husbands do that to their wives either. Yeah. And you know that <clears throat> I think that is so true. And they, they just, somehow it's ignored, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, it's unfortunate. And we tend to believe that too. We tend to go there and say, oh yeah, that's right. God said that, therefore I should. And, but God never said you should be abused. <laughs> you know? God never, you know, put us in that situation. But anyway, I know you are working internationally with your organization so you see the cultural difference too right yes the cultural aspect of how they were raised like i'm japanese so we have that tendency of male dominant society yeah so i think i had that also do you see that here a lot too or what do you think about that so uh I think that developing countries and third world nations are a lot more subjective to male dominance. Mm-hmm. Yes. Meaning that in first world countries, there are thousands of resources for survivors of domestic violence, sexual abuse. We're, we're more 
we're becoming more enlightened about what should be acceptable and tolerated. And uh, when I travel internationally, I'm not I'm not saying anything negative about any of these countries at all. Right. You are correct with the cultural belief systems. Uh, like I said prior, they often use biblical text as reasoning why you should abuse your uh, wife who is not listening to you or who is being disobedient. Mm -hmm. And so what we're doing, I work in Ghana and Sierra Leone, Africa primarily. Okay. We do sensitization meetings. So we come in and we educate about domestic violence and sexual assault. We don't just educate the women, we educate the men as well, because you don't know what you don't know. Yes. Men didn't understand and sometimes they still don't. They have lots of questions as to, wait a second, we're not supposed to do this. My father did this to his to his wife and, and his father's father did that, and et cetera, et cetera. And it's been passed down uh, through, gen through generations. And we just need to come in and stop that. The African people are amazing. I mean, these, these women are hardworking, wonderful, wonderful women. And the men are as well. I mean, there are so many hardships that you have to face in Africa in general. And, and overcoming being a part of a, a third world country or a developing nation. Um, but there need, there's a lack of education, especially in, in the villages, in places where... Uh, girls aren't educated, so they don't know that what's happening to them is wrong. Mm -hmm. Now, talking about United States, yeah. we are not a third world country. We're no. a developed country, and yet still we have that. There are lots of men who need to be much, you know, macho, and we have to show the show the women we are the men. You know that like misunderstanding or misuse of machismo, you so, know? Well, I understand what you're getting at. If, if you think about it, the women's rights movement didn't start until 1970. Okay, mm -hmm. well, like 60-something. Right. Uh, right around the time where the civil rights movement was. So women and the civil rights movement, which is freeing the blacks and giving blacks uh, equal opportunity, just like a white man, around the same time. But you got to think, that's only been 50 years. That's if, true. So what's happening now in the United States is that people are realizing how, how we have put down women for centuries. And now women are starting to have a voice and speaking up and fighting against what's been happening for years and years and years. So... Yeah. You think that, that, that these past 50 years, we've grown a lot and we've got a lot more growth that needs to happen. So there's a lot of men who are in their 80s or 90s, and I've spoke to a lot of them, especially white men, mm -hmm. who don't understand who are like, I, I've never seen domestic violence, but it happens all the time. Everybody is yes. one degree away from knowing somebody who's experienced domestic violence or sexual abuse so it's just opening your eyes and I think that's what really needs to happen here in the United States is that people need to understand how bad it really is and it's not just violence against women it's violence in general because women do it to men as well one in 11 men in the United States have experienced domestic violence and then that's not including the LGBTQ QI community where they experience domestic violence as well mm -hmm. it, 
primarily happens to women from men, uh, one in four, one in three, um, but it does happen to men as well. Oh, I totally, I totally know. Actually, when I first got out of my relationship, my coworker's son was going through the same sort of, um, you know, divorce at the same time. And he said he was actually abused by his wife. So we sort of hit it off, you know, misery loves company, right? So we kept talking about how my ex was abusing and he was talking about his ex, you know, what she did to him. And we were like, wow. So it doesn't really matter, you know, like you said, one in four women. So it's more common for women because, of course, men are more bigger too. <laughs> so they are. Yeah, yeah. They're built differently than we are for sure. Yeah. So I totally get that. The Rise Up Woman movement that I thought was specifically women because, you know, I'm a woman. I can understand. But I totally, totally understand what you're saying, you know, violence in general. That's what we need awareness, you know, spread. Just you need to be aware of this. This is actually happening. And I love your Rise Up Women movement because really women need to speak up about what's happening. That's why my nonprofit is called Unsilenced Voices. You need to unsilence your voice. You need to speak up about what you've experienced, what you've endured, what's happened to you so it doesn't happen generations down the road. So true. You know, when you look at, I don't know about your ex, but my ex was abused by his father. So it was a cycle, yep. you know? And um, also I wonder, I sometimes wonder this, you know, if you are raised, if you're a woman and raised in a situation where like my parents, I never seen them abuse each other. I never seen my father abuse my mother, but it was a male dominant household. So in my mind, I had a specific male role. You know what I'm saying? So when I met him, when he was sort of controlling me, I didn't think anything of it. It's like, yeah. what are men supposed to be that way? Because it was normal for you, for sure. I understand that. Yeah. So I grew up in a household where my, my mother and father didn't fight. They were never physically abusive to each other. Um, we end up as victims getting stuck in abusive relationships for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. For me, I, I was something tragic happened to me when I was seven, where I was taken away from my family for a while. Mm. And then I was reunited with them about five months later, just that, that brief period where I was away, it made me internalize it and think, wow, I need to be on my best behavior. I need to make sure to be perfect. So, so I won't be left again. So when I started this relationship with my abuser, he was giving me this attention that I so wanted. So when the bad stuff started happening, I was forgiving him. And that, that leads me back. I used to go on hikes a lot um, and yell at God and scream at God. Why is he doing this? Why won't he change? Why won't you change him, God? Yes. He used to always give me a verse. Uh, how many times do you forgive? Seven times? No, seven times, 70 times. Mm -hmm. So I took that as I needed to stay with my abuser and we'll call him Paul, not leave him. 
So I stayed with him and I thought that was forgiveness, but that, that's not what God meant. God meant you forgive and you move on and let go. Oh, that is a great advice for all people who are listening, you know, that we tend to think differently when you're in that situation. You want to take it like, oh yeah, he's giving me advice to forgive him and stay with him. But that's not really the message, (laughs) you know, and we have to really think, what does God want you to do or what God wants you to be? He wants you to have a voice. He wants you to be the unique yourself, you know, he want, he made you so uniquely and wonderfully and beautifully. You're not supposed to be suppressed like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you say to those women who might be thinking, is this an abuse or should I, what, you know, like they're in that point where I wonder if this is an abuse because there is a difference. You know, there as a, as a husband and wife, my husband and I fight, (laughs) you know, but we never physically do anything. And sometimes I have, I had to apologize sometimes because I could be a B-I-T-C-H and I could say something very hurtful, but I do apologize. Right. It's, but that doesn't mean I'm abusing him. So ab- domestic violence is physical, it's emotional, it's financial, and it's sexual. Mm-hmm. So yep. any of those categories can be domestic violence. Now, speaking to your listeners right now, if they're leery on, wait, is this abuse? Is this, is this something I shouldn't tolerate? If you're asking that question, then you should really open your eyes and realize I don't deserve that treatment. And A, if it's not domestic violence, then you need to get out anyway if you don't deserve that treatment. B, if it is domestic violence, say he is calling, say he is putting you down and saying that you you don't do anything, that you uh, aren't going to go anywhere with your life. Uh, say he shoved you into a wall. Say he drank too much one night and blacked out and punched you in your face. Oh, is that abuse? Is that wrong? Yes, it is wrong. Yes. Where you should leave. And, you know, people have normal arguments about things. But if your temper is escalated so much to where you demoralize your partner, to where you put them down so much that they're sitting in a corner crying, or you physically harm them, or use finances as control over your partner. Or sex. Or sex. Mm-hmm. Yes, or sex. Then, then you, need to, you need to let go of that relationship. Oh, yes, that is so true. And, you know, that was one thing that I wasn't aware of. You know, I didn't think I was. And even when I was, you know, hit... I was like, okay, well, because I did something, I deserved it. And I, I hope people don't think that at all, you know, because nobody deserves to be punched or kicked or anything like that. And it's normal in the cycle to, to believe that, that you deserved it. Cause I, I believed I deserved it too. Maybe, maybe I deserved that because I did this, but you don't, you don't mm-hmm. deserve to, to be physically assaulted, sexually assaulted, uh, controlled or manipulated at all and it's not your fault that's that's the biggest thing that that victims and survivors have a hard time learning is that it's not your fault the abuse 
was never your fault and you have never deserved it in any way. Let's um, talk about a little bit about socioeconomic status. You know, there are people think, tend to think this only happens to a people who are lower socioeconomic status. And that's totally wrong. But that's, you know, people tend to think that. What have you seen in, in your research and, and, you know, as you're doing the, this nonprofit? Well, it doesn't just happen to, to lower class people, mm-hmm. which I'm saying, yeah. uh, lower socioeconomic class. Mm-hmm. It happens to affluent men and women as well. Yeah. So it happens a lot in politics. We're seeing a lot of that now. A lot of people are coming out and speaking up about it happens a lot to to women who you would never think would go through domestic violence. Yeah. Take it my abuser, for example. He's a very wealthy individual on the central coast of California and he worked in the real estate industry. So mm. he was very successful. On the outside, he was helping and coaching children. He was teaching people how to make developments. He was um, going into schools and educating kids on you know how to get wealth in your life he was looked up to by hundreds of hundreds of men and oftentimes these men were twice his age but behind closed doors he was abusive and abusive to me and there's more of a jackal and hide aspect to an abuser where on the outside to the the normal world they look great they look like a upstanding citizen but then behind closed doors, they're abusive. And these, these women who get themselves involved in this type of relationship, they stay for a number of reasons. Say you're an affluent woman. You get yourself trapped in this relationship. You don't want to feel shame. You don't want to tell people about what's happening. Say you're married to the president of the United States. And the president of the United States is beating the hell out of you and raping you and, and torturing you. You don't want to speak up, even though you're a strong, independent, powerful woman, and people still look at you that way. You don't want that shame, and you don't want to admit that what you're going through is domestic violence. So it's this, this horrific cycle that continues, and it is a lack of education uh, yeah. that why people stay, I think. Yeah. Were you scared to speak up? Like, were you scared if, you know, what if he comes back at you and defame you? That was one, one thing that sort of stopped me from talking about sharing my story. It's, you know, sharing my story is never really about him. It's about my journey and it's about the voice that we would like to spread. But, you know, they, those people like X could come back and say, well, she's talking about this, but she's done this and this and this. To me, or you know, I'm I was always like scared. How is he going to come after me? Were so you I, like that? Yes, I I I was very scared to speak up. And after I left my abusive relationship and realized how bad it was and started mm-hmm. documenting, I wrote a solo play called "But I Love Him." It's the same title as my book, mm-hmm. and performed it in the 2016 Hollywood Fringe Festival. I was so scared at the White Fire Solo Fest where I debuted my play, I actually hired two security guards to come make sure I was safe and that my audience was safe. I moved out of the house where he knew the address, moved someplace else, 
And we put a security system in my apartment complex because we were scared. Mm -hmm. And I remember for the longest of times and still sometimes now, I, I come up to the floor where my, my apartment's located in the elevator. And I think that once those elevator doors open, he's going to be there with a, with a Glock or, a, mm-hmm. or somebody tired is going to just shoot me in the head. So I'm still scared speaking up. And I went through, you know, a publisher with my book where he backed out of publishing because he got scared of a defamation case from my, but the problem is, is it's true. So he can't come after me for defamation because it's true. And I'm actually in legal proceedings against my abuser now. I'm suing him for PTSD, assault and battery, um, for domestic violence. And then I'm involved in a criminal case. So after I was assaulted by him, he started dating another young woman and ended up putting her head through a glass window. And the DA took that case and he's involved in criminal charges there. So am I scared of him? I'm still scared of him. And I actually have to go to trial uh, in about a week and a half. It's not really trial. It's um, a court date for him. He's, he's wanting to change his name. And my attorney suggested that I go and oppose it. So I am going and standing up and he's going to be very angry, very, very angry. But I have to do it. And I, I know, I know that I know the risk I'm taking, but my story is just too big not to share with the world. Oh, I agree. And thank you for doing that. And thank you for the organization that you started. And it's so important for us we need resources and we need support system. We need those education. You know, and that's where you, your organization will help too. Yeah. In Ghana and Sierra Leone, we have sensitization programs and educational programs. We have mm-hmm. a vocational training center in Bo, Sierra Leone, where we've partnered. And we have girls who have been selling themselves on the streets are now going through the vocational training center and learning a skill. We are, uh, compensating some of these women uh, for medical examination so they can move forward with prosecution if that's the if that's the course that they choose to take but education is the most important part about this and our monthly and bi-weekly sensitizations are really encouraging change which is awesome and there are no resources or very few in uh in Sierra Leone there's a there's a temporary shelter primarily for girls who have been raped, but there's no shelters or there's no temporary relief for survivors of domestic violence. In Ghana, the ARC Foundation, one of our partners, used to have a facility. The facility was shut down in 2012 because they ran out of funds. So there's literally no resources in Ghana or Sierra Leone for these women to go to. So that's what we're trying to do with Unsilenced Voices. We're raising money. So we can subsidize that donation and also help pay for a temporary shelter in Sierra Leone. Yeah. When you think about the worldwide, it really opens my eyes. You know, in the United States, there are some resources. I was so grateful that I was able to go to the women's shelter when I left. And I was able to stay there on, you know, the maximum days, which was 50 days. And, you know, so I'm so grateful. There are so much resources. And in the United States, I think if you look, there are so many free resources. So, you know, 
And if you go to unsilencedvoices.org, we have a whole resources page to where you can go on there. And at date, we have a place where you can reach out to. And then we've got a couple international ones as well on there. Yes. That's why I really like um, your organization. You know, Rise Up Woman is a movement. We do um, offer resources, but resources like yours that, you know, the women can go in and look for resources and, and get help. This Rise Up Woman is more getting together and be stronger together and encourage each other. And, you know, I felt there was a gap. You know, you have all these resources and then all of a sudden you're, you feel alone. You're on the way to healing. And I felt alone after that, just have to be strong by myself. And then luckily I'm a believer and I really relied on God to strengthen me. But, you know, that's where the Rise Up Woman idea came from. It's like, okay, well, there are so many resources, but after that, then what? You know, so there was a gap and that's what I wanted to sort of fill that gap. As a woman, we don't want to stay in that dark pit. You know, we want to move on and we want to get back our power and move on and be strong because that sharing our story itself can encourage other people and inspire them, right? Yeah. And here in the United States, we're expanding to the LA area and we are collaborating right now. We're in we're in pre-collaboration mode with Peace Over Violence Foundation. Uh, and we want to help provide pro bono legal assistance to survivors here in the United States and awesome. also give resources. So not just legal, but medical and uh, getting jobs and getting back to the workforce. So giving those resources. And that's why I also wrote my book. So my memoir, But I Love Him, is my story in my abusive relationship. And my hope with my book is to encourage other people that they're not alone, that you can break free from what you, what's happened to you and really have a beautiful life after abuse. And I will warn anybody who purchases the book that if you've experienced domestic violence, make sure to prepare yourself before reading because it's very graphic. I go into details about how he sexually assaulted me, how he physically assaulted me, some of the names that he, he said to me. Mm-hmm. And that will bring up some PTSD issues, yes. but it will also help you heal and know that you're not alone. Yes, that's great. So People can find your book on Amazon or? Yes. So my book is on amazon.com. And for people who are interested in just looking at it briefly, if you text obstacles to 26786, you'll get a free g- digital download of the introduction of my book and then a place to purchase as well. Oh, that's awesome. I'll put that on the show notes. Make sure to do that. And where can people find you? Uh, so you can find me all over social media. All you got to do is Google my name, Michelle Jewsbury. But I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter. And on Facebook, I actually have an author page called Michelle Jewsbury Speaks. I want to use my voice to also coach and help other people who are experiencing obstacles in their lives so they can have tremendous breakthroughs and move forward. And I use my story to encourage and help other people to to move past what's happened to them as well. 
Yes, that's awesome. That's really good. Um, is there anything else that you want to talk about and to share? No, I, I think that we covered a lot of it. Uh, unsilenced Voices, we need as much help as possible. So if you're interested in donating, please go to unsilencedvoices.org. Or if you have any resources or any help for us, uh, we're currently hiring right now for grant writer and then for sales representatives to help us reach out to sponsors uh, celebrities and people like that to get them on board. Um, so yeah, just, just about unsilenced voices and then my book. That's awesome. Thank you so much. So tell me what is making you happy right now? Uh, food. <laughs> I, I, too. I, I love going out to dinner by myself. That's a great time for me to think. I sit and have a glass, probably two glasses of wine and I will sit and ponder in a very crowded restaurant alone so I can think through things so I can uh you know figure out new ideas new new avenues to to reach out to people to grow to help so that's that's kind of my my niche and also I'm a I'm a sun worshiper so I love playing by the pool and and golfing and things like that. So outdoor activity. Yeah, it does. I don't relax a lot. I'm very busy, um, which is good, mm -hmm. you know, running a nonprofit and then I'm speaking uh, all over. I'm, I'm doing, Oh, that's right. You're a speaker. Yes. I do two to three podcasts a week right now. I was interviewed on KTLA five and good morning, San Diego. And I'm speaking uh, at the end of this month at a very important uh, gala with kiss the monkeys in Los Angeles and I'll be talking about my story and how I overcame obstacles and, and how I teach other people to do so. So I'm a coach as well. I help other people through um, to where I help them overcome whatever obstacle is in their way. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for this time together and all the valuable information. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening and being part of this community. If this show intrigues you in any way, please subscribe and share with others. Also, please come and join the Rise Up Woman Movement Group on Facebook. And you can connect with me personally on Facebook, Mickey Sturgis, and Instagram at Rise Up Woman Movement or at Mickey Sturgis. Thank you again for tuning in. Remember, you're not alone in this journey. You are uniquely and wonderfully made by the God of Universe. There's only one of you in the whole wide world, and you're worth it. See you next time.